This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Whoop, the performance tool that is changing the way people track their fitness and optimize their training through a wrist-worn heart rate monitor that provides analytics and insights on recovery, strain, and sleep. Learn more at whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and use code NOMEAT at checkout to save 15%. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to me Athlete Radio. Matt, I'm both uh, excited and a little bit nervous about, about this weekend. Okay. Tell me more. Tell you more. Um, you know you know Leaf Festival, right? Leaf. Leaf. L-E-A-F Festival. Right. Don't want to be redundant. Lake Eden Arts Festival. Right. Um, they, uh, it, it's this weekend. It's a big weekend-long, three-day-long festival here outside Asheville. And um, we are joining up with a few of our friends and their families. So there'll be six kids and six adults to camp all weekend at the festival. So this will be Eliza's first music festival camping experience. Well, that's fun. Which will actually be only my second or third. So Right. Cool. That's that's fun. This is the this is the main leaf, right? Or is this the is this their second one? Because they used to, when I moved here, there was only one main leaf, and I think it was in the fall. Am I wrong about that? There is one in the fall and one in the spring, and I think they're supposed to be equally as big now. But I, I don't actually know. Okay. Um, but it's you know it's the same place, it's the same setup, same right. everything. Who's uh what what are the headlining bands there? Should I want me to want me to list some of my jam band examples again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's actually you know it's it's um. A little disappointing to me for my personal music taste, but uh, like India Re is is kind of the headliner, I think. Um, Isn't she like twenty years like past her? Prime? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, you know I'm not I'm not trying to bash the the people who are playing there, but um, of course not. All but right. it, it's it's it, not, nobody who's getting me super excited. I'm not gonna lie. Um, so then there must be no uh, Papadozio. <laughs> no Papadozio. <laughs> um uh yeah i don't i don't even know like no one's even coming to mind except for her um the killers the killers i keep dropping my headphones while i'm talking to you uh no killers what about the uh that hey ho band i mentioned oh lumineers lumineers no No. trevor hall shovels and rope um black violin the war and treaty i mean I, i like i know some of these bands but um I don't really know them. You know, yeah, no, none of them are like. Happen. Oh man, I'm so excited to to go watch them. But it's still it's still gonna be really fun. And they're like, of course. Have Have you been to Leaf? No, I still have not been to one somehow. Oh man, you gotta come. You got it's like it's just this. It's like such a family friendly. It's you know it's your typical like Asheville experience. There's you know of course there's like alcohol and there's music and there's like adult type things, but then there's all this kid stuff and just uh-huh. parades and um, you know people swimming in the lake and just. You know, there's, it's like this free for all, but with families, and it's uh, it's just super fun. So even if you're not there for the music, there's just so much else going on that it doesn't really matter. So like, uh, kind of like your Burning Man experience, but just no, uh, just wholesome. <laughs> yeah, just like a family friendly Burning Man. You right. Know? <laughs> any any drugs replaced by alcohol? Well, I shouldn't say any. I'm sure there's other drugs that are being being abused by people, but uh, probably quietly, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's like there aren't cops everywhere, you know. It's like well, not I'm sure there aren't at Burning Man either, but you know, but you know, it's it's very it's very like, yeah, it's very quiet drug use if there is any, and I'm sure that there I'm sure that there is, but 
you know, it's just like you, you don't feel like uh, what I've what I loved about it, the first time I went, and this was before we had a kid. Um, Eliza or Katie and I were like came, didn't really know what to expect, and you would just see these like groups of like eight to twelve year old kids like running around in packs, you know, and like I think it's like a summer camp for them, but there's adults there and there's music and there's just like everybody's mm-hmm. camping. I don't know, it's just it's just a really cool, really cool environment. Yeah, I could see that. That does seem mm-hmm. cool. One of these days I'll need to do that. So so we're going, but we're going with a whole bunch of little toddlers and I don't know. Just a little nervous about that. Right. That whole I think part. that's probably a good reason to be a little nervous. <laughs> because I mean not that there's anything wrong. It just it just might right. turn into babysitting. Yeah, yeah. But maybe exactly. not. Maybe I guess we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, that's exciting, Doug. I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah. What's new with you? Uh speaking of camping, Aaron mm-hmm. and Holden today left for a three day camp out with his school because yeah. uh each each year in the school they go to, they like do a little longer or or uh, venture further from the from the school camping trip. So like the first year, you just sleep in your classroom, and then <laughs> second, second graders are like out on the soccer field. And this year, third grade, he's they actually go somewhere. That's uh, pretty cool. Eventually, it builds up to. I guess it's it's called. Uh, you probably know this better than I do. Being an outdoorsy guy, what's it called when you like uh, outward bound? Oh yeah. So it's that, and they they end up. On the last, on the eighth grade year, they like go out and they even have a, a night alone where they have to, you know, fend for themselves or whatever. Very cool. Yeah. So anyway, they're on that, which means Ellery and I are here. She just celebrated her, well, we all celebrated her uh, her birthday yesterday, so that was fun. Sixth, sixth birthday. I made a Six cake for that, old. which was fun. Yeah, we were we were chatting up about some work stuff, and you're like, I got to go grab go. some ingredients. <laughs> exactly. I had I made uh, an olive oil orange cake from mario battalion which is a cake that i make quite often actually the only cake that i make quite often but she it, wanted it. how'd it turn out turned out perfectly we had put icing on it we never put icing on it it's, it's a kind of a nice like not very sweet cake mm-hmm. and she just as I, as I said before is like a very healthy eater and she does not like things that taste overly sweet or salty or you know basically fake food so she uh she was into it but we put icing on it for, because it was a birthday and I think she was okay with that, but she probably would have preferred it not having it. <laughs> so, anyway. Remove the fun, and then she'll enjoy it. Right? Exactly. It, that truly is how she eats. That's no fun. sauces, no no nothing. Just, you know, piles of beans on the plate. She just eats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mean, you know so, what? Uh, this is kind of a side note, but you know, Eliza's favorite food for the last, like, six weeks has been? What? Frozen peas, but still frozen. Like... Like just cold, oh, yeah. cold peas. Yeah, she'll eat them by the handful. Just like nothing on them. You oh just give her a bag of frozen peas, and she'll just like shovel them <laughs> in her mouth. <laughs> she gets really upset too when you try to warm them up. Yeah, that's funny. Hmm. Like, uh, don't people eat frozen grapes as a thing? Yeah, I used to love frozen grapes. That was my jam. Hmm. Yeah, it's like it's so sweet because uh, for some reason it kind of like brings out the sweetness. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why, but uh, they, I don't they know why. it's like sweetness because the water goes away okay in the ice in the form of ice at least mm-hmm. i mean like grapes uh when they're growing them on the vine if they're making ice wine they'll uh they let them freeze first and then the water is removed via the ice and then hmm. then they what's left is just like pure sugar pure sugar well that's basically what happens i guess i used to do that for dessert all the time and cool. uh yeah it's really really tasty and finally doug speaking of ellery she came home with uh, a cryptic note the other day an envelope with my name on it from school which was odd because i thought why would why would that happen 
and uh, <laughs> it was from your cousin Pacer Paul with yes. two riddles on it. Oh, that I uh, am tasked with solving. So, oh, do you want to share one of those? Sure. The one that I find most interesting right now is just because. Did you? Well, did you know either of them? No. At, okay. All right. I assumed you made them up. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's sad to me that we have the internet now because I was thinking it'd be really cool if I just thought about this really hard, asked no questions, and then like a month later just texted him the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but then I thought even if I did do that, he would just assume that I looked it up. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, if you say it here, because he, you know, the reason he sent this is because in that, in the episode about uh, my 100 miler, which he listened to last week because he told me that he, he did. Um, uh, he, we, you kind of poked fun at him for not being as creative as the I other just, pacer. I just said he had to step up, step up his game if he wanted yeah, to be yeah, part step, of the crew. <laughs> that's true. You know, I guess you didn't poke fun at him, but you, you gave him a hard time for not having the riddles like my other pacer did. Right. And right. he took it to heart and he said, you know, I gotta, I gotta learn some riddles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what he did. <laughs> what, what, read one of them. First one is, there are two lemons squashed in the street and Jack and Jill are dead on the sidewalk. What happened? Oh, man. I know. I don't even know where to start with that one. I don't either. At first, I thought it was a Jack and Jill thing, because the other one is about there's water on the floor, which I also thought was going to be the ice thing melting that that old riddle. Right. And I was thinking, well, Jack and Jill and the pail of water and up fetch a pail of water. And then I, then I saw their names in the other riddle and realized it probably has nothing to do with the rhyme. It's probably just the names. Two, read it again. Two lemons squashed in the street, and Jack uh-huh. and Jill are dead on the sidewalk. What happened? Okay. I have no idea, but I, I, I'm going to, as from my experience of riddle solving, mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that one of those things, either Jack and Jill or the lemons being squashed, is irrelevant. Ah, interesting. I didn't know that was a possibility. Sometimes. It can be. They throw you off. A red herring. <laughs> That's what it's called. <laughs> a, a false, false, you know. Yeah, like path. a little distraction. Yeah. All right. Anyway, probably should talk about uh, music things. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for thanks for sticking with us, guys. For, <laughs> I don't know. Right. People should tell us if uh, if we ramble too much at the beginning of these. Well, they just stop listening. I think people who don't like that, they they just don't listen anymore. Yeah. But people who do, it's I mean, you can't get, you can't get valid feedback because all we get is this selection bias. We get feedback from people who like what we do. Mm. That's a good point. Unless we go read those iTunes reviews that talk about us being the devil or whatever it was. <laughs> Yeah, a, sh- a shrill for the meat industry. Yeah, hey, hey, this, actually, that is not a um, bad jumping off point for this for this episode because what oh, we that's right. wanted to do, Nomad Athlete, as we've said, has turned ten years old a month ago, and um, you know, we in the early days of Nomad Athlete because it started when I went vegetarian when I was going vegetarian. I wasn't even fully vegetarian when I started Nomad Athlete. I just kind of planned on it, and. Didn't really have any urgency about it. It's uh, it's odd to me now. This is a good example of what I'm talking about. Like, we things have changed so much in ten years of doing this. Th- just things about how I look at this whole thing and world. Uh, it's funny to me that I when I started it, I didn't think it was like there was anything wrong with calling the site No Meat Athlete, not yet being vegetarian, and not even saying like my you know here's my plan. I'm going to make sure I am vegetarian within two or three months from now. It was just sort of like, I'm still eating a little bit of fish, and if that's all it becomes, that's fine. But I'm going to call it Nomiathi because that sounds like a good name, and you know, who knows, I'd like to actually be vegetarian one day. So it's weird to me that I even did all that. But 
in those early days, I was writing about the process of how do you start becoming vegetarian. And it's, I just think it's interesting. Like, I don't think it was a bad idea to try to give advice and write the very best advice I could about how to you, how do you become vegetarian? How, how should you do it as far as like changing a habit goes? Um, but it's also funny, like I just didn't, and I think this happens to a lot of people, you you just don't have the perspective to think like, well, you know, this might not be the same advice that someone who's been doing it much longer and just understands the whole thing so much more mm-hmm. uh, would give. And right. they're both valid. There's there's good advice to be had because of that being in that beginner's mind and not having the, the quote unquote expert problem. Uh, and there's also good advice that comes from, I think, perspective. So anyway, we just wanted to revisit that question, that question of like, if somebody said, I want to become vegan, and I, we'll say vegan now because that's where we are, but you could it could apply to vegetarian as well. Um, it could probably even apply to, you know, the the more inclusive plant-based, which might mean eating some amount of meat. I don't know. It depends how you want to define that. Um, but anyway, that's that's our motivation for this episode. Just sort of the, what, you know, what would you do based on what we've learned? So this is sort of a little bit the things I wish I knew back then, mm-hmm. um, but also how knowing what we know now, how would you recommend somebody right. make that change? Because there is a whole lot of increased interest, I think, compared to 10 years ago. Uh, in making that change, which is awesome and wonderful. And I'm so glad that, uh, you know, we, we've gotten to see that and be part of that, be part of this whole movement, like as it has grown so much in the past decade. So anyway, I, gonna... I'm not going to say a number because I'm, uh, I don't remember it exactly, but I read something the other day about uh, how veganism has grown, like how the number of people in the United States who say that they're vegan now versus 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing how how much it's grown. Really, like ten times or something. Like something's really substantial. Wow. The only it's number still, I remember, it's still really tiny. The only but, number I remember of that fact used to be two percent. Was what I remember from I don't know five six seven years ago when I looked at it. But mm-hmm. man, those things are so. I'm sure you can look five different places and see just you know right. percentages that are off by a factor of five from each other. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, because you know they're just like pulling a hundred people and. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. Exactly anyway obviously <laughs> obviously changes afoot right so yeah i mean absolutely. it's just it's just so many more people talk about this nowadays so many more celebrities do it uh mm-hmm. all of which is very good so uh basically this is our this episode is our attempt to show that we are not a shield for the meat industry <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's actually not where the idea came from but it's funny that it is a in some ways it could be a response to that it could I no, but it lo- might not it might make people think that even more we'll see we'll see where yeah, right, because I think that some people might not agree with our approach here. De- I mean, definitely won't, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so what? Uh, where do we begin? Well, I think we, should, um, I think we should begin by talking about tracking of, of things. The ad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no? Don't want to begin there? It seems a little early to do the ad. Okay, Let me hold right. off on that. Okay, <laughs> we'll hold off on that. All right, so all right, so well, I guess the um, what if we told our stories first? Okay, is that a bad idea? You think? No, um, no, we should do that yeah. because we each had a way of doing it, and and our approach is based. And in fact, mine is actually what I have to say today about how someone should go about it is I think in a very interesting way tied into the way I went about it. It's, well, we'll see. I'm, I'm not just going to say, do what I did, but it's, <laughs> but I, I do want to say something that is interesting, I think. Okay, all right. So, go ahead. Well, so, so how did, do you want me to start? Why don't you start? 
okay. you've been vegetarian and vegan longer. Yeah. So there's there's a part of my going vegetarian story that I have not ever told that much because I just kind of forgot about it. Hmm. Um, I mean, I've written about it a few times, but I just it tends to be swept away. Um, that I probably maybe after I had. So I went for a year. I have to this a lot. That I went for a year where I was not eating beef or um, or pork. Cows or pigs is what we should call it, right? No need to no need to mask it by saying right. beef and pork. That's right. Um, and so I, I I was in the in the heart of you know marathon training, trying to qualify for Boston. I uh, was worried about getting slower if I stopped eating meat because I worried about protein, of course. And I just I just really felt like I had to do this. I wanted to do this for how I felt ethically. Just felt like it was the right way for me to eat, but I was afraid to do it. So what I did was kept eating birds because they at the time didn't have the emotional kind of impact or connection uh, for me the way these other animals that just just you know naively I thought were smarter and more like me. So mm-hmm. I said I'm not going to eat those, and I didn't really plan to go further. I said that's going to be good enough, and I'll just do that. Um, but at some point during that time, I actually, I forget, I don't know how long into it it was, but I said, I'm actually going to go vegetarian now. I think Aaron was away. I didn't have kids back then. I think Aaron was traveling or something. And so I was just by myself for the weekend uh, as far as cooking my food and all that. And so much easier than trying to like bring that up with a, a partner and say, hey, let's go vegetarian or I want to do this was just for me to like sort of make that change while, while she was gone. And <laughs> you come I'd home say, and you've like emptied yeah, out your fridge. Surprise. Do <laughs> away all your favorite things. <laughs> um, but anyway, I did it for like two days and, and I sort of enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of fun and interesting, this nice little adventure. And then I went to a bar with friends after two of the two days were over and like had no plan, had, had just didn't, had, didn't think about, Hey, I better eat ahead of time. Just didn't. Cause I, you don't think about those things necessarily. Uh, and I think, I don't know, there was nothing that was good and vegetarian on the menu. So I just ordered chicken fingers or whatever I got a burger or wings or who knows. And, and that was it. It just ended. And then Aaron came home a couple days later and that was it. And I just said, well, that didn't work. That was too hard. Uh, and I didn't really give it a good shot, but back to just eating, eating, chicken and fish and not not eating cows and pigs so when you when you ate that when you went out to to dinner and you ate chicken or whatever mm-hmm. it was um you didn't like go home and then try to keep it going at home it was no just like, i just it, like, it just it's, seemed it's like it, it just felt like it kind of I, I don't know it wasn't like i had some dramatic failure and i was sad that i failed it just i probably woke up the next morning and said well you know i i lost it yesterday lost the streak of two days so it's done yeah um and so anyway, then the then the known part of my story that I've told a lot happened, which is where I eventually decided I wanted to become fully vegetarian, and then I, you know, phased out the chicken and fish, as I talked about a few minutes ago, and over the next two years, kind of gradually reduced other animal products like cheese and dairy and things like that, um, so that so that then I was vegan, and and did eventually hit a point where I I think I watched Earthlings the movie, and like the next day I said all right I'm finally done ready to do this. Um, so that's, that's how I did it. But I think what the reason I just tell that part is because I always tell my story and say, look how well this small steps approach worked for me, this gradual approach, because it did work really well. It taught me a whole lot of things and we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but what I realized is that like, I, I, I never give that first advice that was, or the, or the advice of what I did first, which was, first of all, just go give it a try if you want, right? Mm. You, you don't have to start with the small steps approach. Uh, I didn't have the patience. I wouldn't have had the patience to do that. I just wanted to go for it. And once I did that, and once I had failed at that, 
that's when that's when you know I kind of not necessarily consciously consciously, but that's when I did this more gradual method. So interesting. That's that's how it worked. We can talk more about that um, because there there is more to say about both of those things. Uh, but that's that's the my short story that I tried it and then eventually just kind of got to it via small incremental steps. And so you, uh, how long do you would you say it was after that first failure that you started doing the small steps? Uh, I I bet it was six months later. I don't know. Okay, but close enough that like that was still on your mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never, I never stopped wanting to be, you know, having those thoughts of wanting to become vegetarian. I just, I just kind of gave up for now. Yeah, back then. And and then so and then you you went vegan. Why don't you tell that part to you? I went vegan in what turned out to be a very similar manner. Is that as I said, I kind of was reducing the cheese. I, I actually stopped drinking milk as soon as I went vegetarian. I just for some reason, I don't know. I I knew that like the dairy was thought to be one of the least healthy parts of a vegetarian diet. Um, so I just cut out the milk, but I was still eating cheese because I like cheese like everybody does and like everybody says, uh, is their thing that they hold on to for the longest. I was one of those people. And I think I just like not even trying to just started eating less of it over time, especially as I was reading Brendan Brazier books and talking to Scott Jurek and like just being influenced by all these people who were having a lot of success with, with fully vegan diets and doing the website. It made me want to be vegan. Um, and I tried it. I did a 30-day vegan challenge. And basically, that was kind of the same as my two-day vegetarian failed challenge, just done a little bit more intelligently, where I said, I don't really know if I'm ready to be vegan yet. I'd like to give it a try. So I'm going to set a 30-day limit here. And when I get to the end, as long as I've stuck with it for 30 days, then I have done what I set out to do. And then I can decide how it's going to go. And so I got to the end of that 30 days was totally ready to have pizza when I was done that and go back to eating cheese because I I just learned that I wasn't ready to be vegan yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but then over the next probably six months, not really deliber- deliberately, I just found myself eating less and less cheese, found it easier and easier to start avoiding cheese. Um, and then, as I said, I got to this point where I had almost no cheese in my diet, but I was just hanging on to it because I just wanted it and I just thought, need to have that. Uh, and then I watched Earthlings, and I finally said, okay, I'm close enough. I might have cheese once every two weeks now. I think I can just cut it out. And so I just said, okay, for now on, I'm vegan. Uh, I think I announced it on No Meat Athlete, and then that was it. Hmm. Very interesting. Yes. So kind of the same method. I mean, not, not that different from the way that I started being vegetarian, even if it was a little bit more planned out this time. Yeah. Your turn. And then we can... Then we can talk about what we actually suggest. <laughs> well, so one last question. You would say mm-hmm. that your um, your motivation primarily was ethical in the yeah. beginning. That was that was definitely the big start. I would say to get from vegetarian to vegan, that was that was more a mix of health and uh, and ethical. I don't know. I mean, even the vegetarian thing. Like at first, it was purely ethical, thinking that it would be a detriment to my health if I went vegetarian, or at least a detriment to my to my marathon running. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I became more convinced of health benefits, not necessarily in the short term, but just like general energy level and long-term health, then that became a bigger part. And that's what actually really motivated me and said, Hey, I'm going to start this blog and really do this and try it. So started out ethical, became a little bit, you know, more about health than it had been. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So my story begins almost 10 years ago. It'll be 10 years in, I want to say December or January, probably. I don't know the actual date. 
you don't have a vegiversary? I don't have a vegiversary. I don't even know if you, but it is. Vegiversary. I could I could figure out my vegiversary though. I could figure, okay. figure that out. Um, but no, it was about 10 years ago. And I know that because uh, it coincided with when Katie and I started dating. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my, my story really like, it wasn't, it was somewhat intentional. And in, in many ways, I'd be lying to say if it was super intentional. Um, because for a long time, like for most of my adult life outside, you know, after college, uh, but even like during college when I was, you know, living in an apartment in a house and cooking for myself, I very, very rarely cooked meat. Like sometimes I would get pepperoni pizza or something like that, but I just, I never would like buy chicken or steak or something like that and cook it. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean that I didn't eat it. Like I would eat it out. I would eat it at a barbecue or if someone else was cooking, like I would certainly eat it. I just, for whatever reason, I would just never really cook it. So um, when I moved to DC and I uh, didn't have all that much money and all the money that I did have, I was spending on high end cocktails because that's what people did after work. <laughs> um, uh, I just, I wasn't eating out that much. And so uh, I was just cooking a lot and it was, you know, it was not great food, but, you know, just simple pastas and stuff and would very rarely have meat in it. So in some ways it kind of like evolved slowly that I was just eating more and more vegetarian and un- unintimidated by the not having a protein on my plate kind of thing. Just didn't even think about that. Yeah. And which is actually like, like thinking back on it, I probably was not eating very healthily at all. You know, I probably wasn't having a very well rounded meal mm-hmm. at all. When it, when I think about all the different vegetables I put on my plate now and beans and like all the good stuff that... I throw on a plate now, you know, it wasn't like that at all. It was, it was just like, you know, pasta with red sauce and maybe a side salad if I was lucky. Yeah, um, it's already this is interesting because like, I I mean, it, it points out a difference in just our, like the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? <laughs> our states coming into it, right? Our kind of preconceived notions. Like to me, it was like the idea of having a meal without the meat in it, like, there must be some reason why somebody's doing that, right? Like that must be a deliberate decision because it right. seems like a meal has to have meat in it. Like that's, I don't know. It would have, I would have never started eating meals that didn't have meat in them. Or at least I would not have considered them meals. I would have thought like mm-hmm. I didn't actually eat a real dinner. I just had this little snack thing. So, but it's, and I think that's interesting because I think a lot of people do have, I, at least I see it because it's like how I was, but I see people as thinking that they, if they remove the meat, then it's not going to be a meal. But yeah. you, uh, you well, and I, and I think, I think a lot of people, a lot of people do think that, you know, and, and that's kind of a, lo- a common question is like, what do you, f- what do you replace, you know, if, if, what do you replace the meat with on your plate, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that otherwise you're just eating side dishes or whatever and, and people aren't comfortable with that. But for whatever reason, for me, I kind of was comfortable with that or I just would make, you know, something like a pasta, but just, um, you know, just not have chicken on it or whatever you would normally mm-hmm. put in a pasta. Mm-hmm. So, so that was, I kind of, that was kind of my starting point, right? Um, and, and then I made friends with a bunch of people who were working in the um, environmental industry and working for different environmental nonprofits, and a lot of them were vegetarian. And so we would go to vegetarian restaurants, and I just kind of, some of my friends were, were vegetarian. And, and like, I, you know, it was, it was like a thing like that I knew about, and, you know, but they didn't make a huge deal out of it. And, um, I didn't ask about too much, but, you know, I began to understand the connection, uh, with the environmental cause and, and meat, the meat industry. 
um, and kind of think about that for a while. And, and I kind of like just kind of marinated in the back of my head for a while. Um, and then I met Katie, um, who had been vegetarian for like 10 years when I met her. Um, and, and she would just kind of talk to me about it some, and, you know, of course, like when we would cook or whatever, it was all vegetarian, which, um, was usually the case anyway. Uh, and, and then we, you know, we started dating and I don't like, I I used to shy away from saying that she had much of an influence over me going vegetarian, Mm -hmm. but you know, I think that in reality she probably did. Like I really, um, and and I think that's okay because I, you know, I think that like having that support and also kind of having that encouragement from a friend or a a partner or something like that is not, not something to be embarrassed about. Um, (laughs) which I kind of used to be like, Oh no, my my wife didn't be embarrassing if you gave up something that was dearly important to you right for someone else and you sort of then were no longer true to who you were but it doesn't sound like that was no it, it wasn't i didn't give up anything that i cared all that much about and then and and it almost just like made things easier and and like she was like an example of how you could do it and mm-hmm. you know and so it's just like what well, you know i'm probably gonna go vegetarian too but and here's the big like asterisk is that when i just said i'm gonna go vegetarian my exception <laughs> was uh was barbecue like pulled mm-hmm. pork and because i had a weekly tradition with my my best friend of um of going to get pulled pork at like different places all over dc and sometimes we would travel like outside yep you know outside the area and we'd like go try out all these places and we'd you know get ribs or pulled pork and and like for whatever reason in my head like that wasn't a big deal it was like all right i'm gonna be a vegetarian all the time except for this mm-hmm. and, and and you like like you talked about like going to a restaurant and having chicken wings and then uh, you calling it a failure and that's it um you know this i was like totally the opposite i was like all right i can do this but then i can also have this like side barbecue thing going on <laughs> right and, and i did that for probably a few months and that's why i say like i i think that it was probably december when i said i was going vegetarian and then um I don't know, maybe March or something when I quit doing the pulled pork thing. And eventually it was just kind of like, I don't want it anymore. It's not really making me feel good. And, um, and I should, if I'm going to do this, I should really do it. Yeah. So that, that's kind of, but, but, but what that did was allowed me to be, it, it, it made, it made the decision a whole lot easier. Right. Okay. Which I think was, uh, was not a, not necessarily a bad thing. So I have something to add to the thing you said about the, uh, the pork. Or yeah, the, the eating pork barbecue. But I, but I want you to finish your before we get into analysis mode. Let's. Uh, I want to hear the vegan part of your story. Oh yeah, because, because you have a few interesting things, that, topics that we've kind of suggested or, or approaches we've suggested to people. Yeah. So the vegan, the vegan thing was like like you and um, I think like a lot of people really. If you have any sort of desire to go vegan after going vegetarian, then then um, I think naturally you just kind of stop drinking milk. You're slowly kind of like cutting out some of the animal products, maybe intentionally, maybe not. Um, but it's just kind of like you just start eating more vegan foods and more vegan meals. And so I was like starting to do that more and more, but certainly cheese was a regular part of my diet. Um, I had cut out eggs, which is a big one for a lot of people too, but, um, Katie doesn't like eggs. And so we just never cooked eggs. And so aside from maybe going out to brunch or something like that, I would never, never really have eggs. Um, but the big one was still cheese, of course. And then, you know, if uh, if eggs were in some something that I was eating, um, and uh, but what I did was that I got actually inspired by Leo Babautov's and habits. He started something called the Seven Day 
go vegan challenge, I think, or seven day. Yeah, something like that. Seven vegan day challenge. Vegan. I think that, yeah. I think it was sevendayvegan.org. Is that right? That was the website? Yeah, that sounds right. I'll type it and see if it's still there. Um, well, we had like had him on the podcast or something. Let's talk about it. Um, or maybe we just talked about it because we always talked about Leo Babatham. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got inspired to do this. So when he like launched this, this challenge, I said, Katie, we should do this. And so we did. We did seven days, uh, went vegan, and it was good. Like I liked it. It was good. But I also really struggled with the going out and the social setting type things. And even just during that one seven-day block, like I remember really struggling with that part of it. Did you, and, when you started at seven days, were you saying, let's do seven days and maybe then that'll just turn into forever? Or was it more like, let's do seven days as a fun little thing and then we'll come back to doing it? It was, let's, let's do seven days and see what happens. I mean, oh. but I wanted to do it forever. Like it, there, I had the full intention of mm-hmm. eventually doing it forever. But whether it was right after that seven days or not, I wasn't sure. But, right. um, you know, I wanted to do it forever. And so we, we did that and we did the seven day challenge. Um, and it, w- it went pretty well. I just remember really struggling uh, at social settings. And so what we decided to do at, when it was over was we were at home vegans which um, I think is an awesome transition for a lot of people. And, an, and for some people, it's a really good kind of final step. Um, yeah. But, uh, and so basically everything you're doing at home is vegan. So all your, anything you're cooking, anything you're having at home is vegan. But when you go out, you know, maybe you can be a little bit more lenient. And so that's, that's what we did for several months in D.C. before moving. And then when we moved, I said, I'm moving, starting a new life, <laughs> um, moving, you know, 20 miles from Matt, I'm, I can do this. This is, Asheville is a vegan city, vegan-friendly city. I can do this. So we did it. We both went vegan for a couple months. Um, and then we went on our t- six-week honeymoon to Italy, or four-week honeymoon to Italy, and um, and had decided, even when we decided to go vegan, that we were not going to keep hold ourselves to that in Italy. And, you know, looking back on it, I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't, of course I wouldn't do that now, but, um, you know, it was, it was, it it took the pressure off, uh, right. That decision. So we weren't vegan for those four weeks in Italy. We came home and I went immediately went back to being vegan. Uh, Katie, it took a while to kind of transition back, but gotcha. Good. So that's my story. Yes. Um, it's kind of a roller coaster, and I, and you know, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people probably have that story too. Like some some people, they wake up, they decide to go vegan or vegetarian, and that's it. But for me, it was it was definitely a bit of a like, you know, lots of transition periods, both going vegetarian and going going vegan. Right. All right. So there's a lot there's a lot here that I think is worth kind of breaking down and saying which of these are worth keeping for someone who kind of wants to do this, which is just you know, a wasted step. Um, it, it's clear to me that like, I mean, I guess your, yours is a little bit more bumpy than mine. Um, with the, with the going a little bit back and forth, but really only because of the Italy trip. So yeah. I guess, I don't know. I mean, to, to me, hearing all this is a pretty good evidence as to why we, why we say like, take your time and kind of transition to it. Um, just because both of these stories are so far from saying I'm omnivorous one day and the next day I'm vegan or, or even more than that whole food plant-based. So I'm vegan with no oil. I watched sure. forks over knives and now I'm this way. Like that, that's scrunching what we took years to do. 
mm-hmm. and, and you know to stay to to allow us to stay comfortable during that time, I guess whatever that means, um, and just drudging it into one night when you go to sleep and then you wake <laughs> up and now you're this way, and so I, to me that's like a pretty good argument for why small steps are necessary. I guess on the flip side you could say, look, there are people who do in one day what you guys took ten years to get right. Well, not ten years, but whatever it was, two or three years for me. Yeah. Um, and five years for me. Yeah. So so anyway, lots to break down. Um, I do think we should quickly talk about tracking things, Doug. So I will <laughs> mention that uh, this episode of No Made Athlete Radio is brought to you by Whoop, the performance tool that is changing the way people track their fitness Whoop. and optimize their training. Whoop is a wrist-worn heart rate monitor that pairs to their app, and it provides analytics and insights in three key areas. The first one is strain, with insights into your heart rate, average heart rate, resting heart rate, max heart rate, and calories burned, and it even auto-detects when you're doing activities like running, cycling, yoga, even meditation, Doug, it told me that I was doing once, uh, mm. and rates the strain level. You Do know, you- so I, I have not been uh, nearly as active post-100-miler as I am now, mm-hmm. and my, like, I, you know, like, I look back at the, like, graph of my strain, you know, and it's it's kind of... It's good. It's like a good, it's a good way to like remind myself that I, I've taken three weeks basically to, to recover and now I'm ready to get back to it. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but I can see how one, one of the things I've always suffered from is do a marathon and then if I don't have a marathon immediately on the schedule after that, that mm-hmm. I need to start training for, uh, I'll go six months without doing anything. And I wonder, had I had it back then, this was years ago, but had I had that sort of visual reminder each day that I was like, you just see how low your activity is compared to what it was during even your tapering time, probably. Right. Yeah, um, totally. You know, that would be a, a big motivator to get you back. It has been, yeah. Good. So speaking of that, sort of, recovery, <laughs> number two, looking at your <laughs> heart rate I'm variability. I'm very recovered. What? I'm very recovered. You are finally recovered. I am finally recovered. All right. Keep so it going. looks at heart rate variability, your resting heart rate, and your sleep quality, and combines all that to give you a recovery score when you wake up, uh, which lets you know how hard your body's working and insight into whether or not your body is ready to be pushed again. Uh, and, and if not, then of course it would tell you that you need more rest. Finally, there's sleep. The Whoop Band monitors heart rate throughout your sleep to look at your sleep quality, sleep cycles, and the times within each stage of sleep, REM, deep, and light, things that we've talked a good amount about on this podcast now. Uh, the app then provides sleep performance insights based on your actual sleep versus your sleep need. Basically, the Whoop Band provides an insight into your training and recovery unlike anything we've seen before. Sounds, so, pretty, sounds pretty great, Matt. <laughs> it, and it is pretty great. I really like Whoop, and I think people should use it. Yeah, so where, where could people get it? People can go get it at whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com. And when you're ready to get started, you can use our code NOMEAT at checkout to save 15%. Awesome. All right, so let's get into talking about how people should, if someone's brand new to this, to the idea that they want to go plant-based. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, you could talk about, like, how, I used to talk about how you should get motivated first. Like, go, you know, watch all those documentaries. If you have some, if something in you is saying this is an ethical thing, then go kind of aggravate that uh, that sense of dissatisfaction you have with your current diet. And I, I still believe that. I don't think it's worth us going into all different ways to do that. Um, but, you know, watching the documentaries, reading the books, going to the veg fest, whatever. You, you, can, you can easily expose yourself to the, to the part of it that is kind of ringing true in your heart that makes you want to do it. So I think that's important. Like, figure out why and, and kind of do what you can to, to increase that. But let's say you're, you've kind of done that. You're ready to go. Um, 
what what are the tips? And I mean, the big question is, should you just do it right away or not? Uh, or should you have some sort of plan that says I'm going to change over this amount of time and here's my plan for doing so? Or should you say, be more casual about it and say, well, I'm going to, you know, remove this amount of animal product from my diet and I'm just going to do that for how, it go, for how you know, however long it works and then I'll go from there. Uh, lots of, lots of ways you can do it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam, you know what? Yeah, I mean, well, one more thing to add is that, is that I don't think there's a, a right way for anyone. I think there mm. is more stress over this idea of what's the right way to change. And we're partially at fault because we always talk about it. Um, <laughs> you know, really, I think it's about, you just try things. You just try things. And if the first one doesn't work, then you find a new way of going about it. No, don't do the same thing again, because just trying the same method over and over is probably going to give you the same result. But just keep trying to find different ways to do it. And honestly, I think that's probably, you know, where you figure out whether the seven day challenge is what's right for you or whether the vegan at home is right for you uh, or whether the all in all at once works for you. You kind of just try them all and you find the one that is comfortable and working and feeling good. But yeah. Go ahead, Doug. Yeah. Well, um, you know, something similar as what I was kind of going to say is, uh, I think I think that the best advice I would give to somebody, like if they were like, "What should I do today?" and I would I would say, "What do you want to do today? Do you want to be like fully vegan right now? And if so, just go for it and see what happens. You know, don't put a ton of pressure on you if you fail. Um, but if that's what you want, then then go for it. But or if you say like, "Well, I, I kind of want to, but I just I can't imagine actually giving up cheese or you know can't imagine whatever." Um, then you know then then say like, "Well, how would you feel about the at home thing? Or how would you feel about the?" vegan by five before five or, or whatever right. it is. Right. Um, and then, you know, if, and if that feels comfortable, that feels good and, and like a nice place to start, then that's what you should do. Yes, I agree. There are people who, I mean, as, as I don't know that, that advice sounds fairly not controversial, but there are a lot of people because this vegan world has a, a very clear dividing line of whether you're vegan or not. Um, and that's, and that's whether you eat animal products or not really with any frequency. I mean, I guess, I guess you still can split hairs over like, what happens if it's an accident? What happens? How hard do you try if someone gives you, serves you the wrong food? I don't know. There's all different kinds of things you could do, but it is a, it's, it's in many ways is that you either are or you aren't thing. Uh, so I think people are really sensitive to the advice to say, stay on the aren't side of that line for a little while, if that's what feels right to you, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of vegans feel very passionately that the right way to be is fully vegan and the right time to do that change is now, and anything less than that right. is is you're you're being selfish or whatever. Uh, I don't agree with that at all because I I think both of us are great examples of of how when you actually do that, you do with what you're comfortable with right then, it moves it very likely moves you down the path, and you 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 know you get new influences, you start reading different books, you yeah something about it for me just kind of i feel like this level of compassion just raises when you start acting a certain way so totally. you stop eating animals but still eating animal products and suddenly that desire to eat animal products starts to lessen the ethical side for me was was so minor compared to to, to environmental and then and then health a little bit as well um until i actually went vegetarian and then and then it be it like just like that part of it grew within me and i became more passionate right. about it that's funny how that happens. <laughs> and, and I mean, so I guess, although we're both examples of people who took small steps uh, or a gradual approach to change and it worked for, somebody on the other side could argue and say, 
okay, fine, that worked, but I but it would have probably worked if you just went overnight as well. That I don't think is true because I mean you just had the pork barbecue thing. I had, and I think I wrote this on my site in the early days when I was still eating fish that. I thought it would sound good to be vegetarian, and I'd like to maybe one day call myself that, but I really couldn't ever imagine not eating crabs at a crab feast Mm because I grew up in the Baltimore, Maryland area, and that was what we did, and it was just summertime tradition. It was that thing where this has been hammered into you since you're little. Not that this is right and this is what makes you strong, which is a message a lot of people do get about, about animal products for sure, but mine was just like, this is part of being a person. Like, this is just growing up. This is what you do is you get together with family and friends. You have crabs. It's like the, everyone looks forward to yeah. it. It's the thing. Uh, so I just said, you know, I can't imagine not doing that. So, like, I'm not even going to think about not doing that. For now, I'm still doing that, and I'm okay with that, right? That That's just how I was. Same as you were with the pork. It kind of seems like an odd thing that you would, you know, be okay with that, being vegetarian almost all the time, but this one exception when you're clearly not. And I remember I was doing this. I went to a crab feast on Fourth of July because I did that at the beach, uh, and I was. And this is not not a revelation. I don't think I wrote about that, but I wrote about eating fish around the same time. So I was po- posting fish recipes still, um, and I remember like ripping into the carcass of a crab as I was like, and I was like, oh, but two days or maybe that very day, I wrote a blog post on No Mean Athlete about <laughs> who knows what, and it was like. Again, this wasn't this wasn't. I'm not like admitting some secret here that was never known. Like I was talking about eating fish and should I stop eating fish and all that stuff in those days. Um, but it, you know, it just it was like, wow, this. It's funny that like you can compartmentalize and say I'm vegetarian otherwise, but during this, right. I'm not. And so, uh, the only reason I bring all this up and go into that depth is I think had you told either of us that the choice is either, you know, go all the way right now or don't go at all and don't even try. I think I probably would have said not try because there were too many things that were just near and dear is not even the strong enough word. Like they were just ingrained and in this is who you are. And I just wasn't ready to give it up in those days. Sure. So that's why I think, so I think we would have been lost at, if, if all in was the only method that was valid for going vegan or vegetarian. Uh, I, I think we would have both been lost and then we, then we'd be meat eaters today and we'd yeah. be arguing for arguing for paleo diets. Well, and and I think that that is, you know, if you're motivated to go all in, like 100%, do it. Just just mm-hmm. do it and see what happens. But I think what, what happens with a lot of people is they are motivated to go all in, then they realize that it's harder than thought or, or some situation comes up and they want to eat crab or whatever. And, and they stop and they give up and they say, well, I can't do that, you know. And that's right. having some way to to say, okay, that didn't work. The all-in didn't work for me. Um, you know, just like it didn't work for you the first time and going seven-day vegan didn't work for me, you know, but I could do these things and I feel much more comfortable with that. And so that's what I'm going to start with and see what happens. So to be able to kind of like say it's okay to not be 100%, you know, especially at first, but maybe for some people in the long term, and, and I fully support that, Um you know, and it's okay to, to not, to not be a hundred percent. And, and then, you know, you figure out what you're comfortable with and, and focus on that and then see what happens. Yes, that is right. And that, and that isn't quite the same as like more generally saying, is it okay for someone to go their whole life not being a hundred percent, right? Cause that, that's, that's a whole different argument. Uh, and it's one that I don't want to get into cause I don't know the answer. I don't like arguing about ethics and what people should or shouldn't do and what's right for one person. I just don't like to get into that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the process of changing, uh, 
Is yeah. it okay to during that process not be 100? And I think I think it definitely is. I think I think being able to have a gradual approach or incremental approach or whatever, uh, I just think it makes so much it massively increases the chance that five years from then you're still going to be eating this way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm a fan of that. Um, that brings up another question, Doug, which is. Is the guardrails kind of idea, is that one that's important? And we, Pamela Ferguson, who was on recently on this podcast, uh, she and I did an episode, it was probably our second episode maybe that she was on, and we, we asked that very question. Like, is should there be moderation? Um, when there is moderation, should that always be in the form of strict rules? Like, we eat vegan in the house and we can eat non-vegan out of the house? Um, or, or, you know, is it, are you better off just kind of doing that on your own and, and doing it when you feel like it, but not necessarily needing rules? Mm-hmm. Um, my sense for most people is that, is that the guardrails are important. And that's why I really like the idea of a, of a, you know, thing where there are rules. It says, I don't eat vegan, uh, after or before, or sorry, I only eat vegan before 5 PM, uh, or I only eat vegan in the house. And when I go out, I can do something else. Uh, or I'm being completely vegan, but it's for seven days or 30 days, and it's a challenge, and it has a finish line with it. So those are all, to me, forms of guardrails. Um, and I don't remember exactly what Pamela and I concluded in that episode. We probably ended up saying uh, depends on the person. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, uh, to me, it, it just seems hard to imagine an, a big effort to change working if there aren't if there's not a plan in these rules, if it's just sort of a, I'm going to try to be more vegetarian or I'm going to try to be more vegan over the next few years, it's just so many times those just result in, in no action being taken that yeah. I just can't really be on the side of those. I think, I think you need a, a plan. Yeah, I, I agree hundred uh, percent. You know, I think that certainly for me, but really for everyone, unless you just have some sort of, I don't know, make a motivation or but then you would just do it all the way yeah i don't i don't know why i don't know i think if there are environmental factors in your life that are steering you towards something right like Mm -hmm. like you like you have a say you have a a husband wife partner whatever who you're living with and someone who you really care about and you're getting to know better and you're deepening your relationship and they are fully 100 percent committed to eating vegan then i think maybe without a plan you're gonna eventually you have a good chance of ending up vegan even without it because (laughs) there's that environmental just thing in your life uh but in the absence of something like that, I, mm-hmm. I do think that without that, you're you're kind of not going to go anywhere without an actual plan. Yeah. And it might work for a couple of weeks or even a couple of months, but like, it's just going to be easier to to fall back into what you're comfortable with or or whatever, and 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 you're just not going to. I don't know. You got You got to have something that that tells you, yes, this is this is when I can do it, or no, this is not when I can do it. Yeah, I think for most people you do. And by the way, we're not talking about a meal plan here. I don't mean to say you you need a plan. Of course, I'm oh, yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking about a, a rule for Structure, yourself that says yeah. this is how we do it. Yeah. Um, all right, good. So I guess I, mean, I want to argue for, for the gradual thing. What I've kind of come to realize in, in writing posts about, you know, how do you deal with the social issues or how do you deal with, kids who you want your kids to be vegan and how do you handle that and parents and talking to people um you know how do you deal with travel how do you deal with ordering at restaurants what i didn't realize at first but do now is how much that gradual approach um helped with all of those things because every one of those things is a skill that you can learn and 
being able to navigate those situations in a way that avoids awkwardness and loss of friendships. Again, perhaps some are doomed to be lost for whatever reason. Uh, but I think you can learn to do that kind of thing well. And it's so much easier to practice when the rule is I'm vegetarian, then I'm vegan. Or for me, so much easier to practice when I had to say for a year, I don't eat red meat or pork, but fish or chicken is fine. Right? And then there's not even a question. Then you go to a wedding, there's automatically a choice for you without even you having to say it. Right. And if you're going to a party, it's, you know, I was terrified of like being rude or being that person who like people, I don't know, thought was was ungrateful. I just, I just did not want to be that. So like it was, it would have been really hard for me to say, uh, I can't come to this party of yours, dinner party, because I don't eat that. When I when I could have something that, that I said, but I can do this. Is it possible you'd make me a chicken thing instead of a steak thing? You know, and I, even that was hard for me to ask, but that's where I got the practice. Same with ordering food at a restaurant. Like you, you could still go out to restaurants. You just had to avoid one page of the menu. And <laughs> with family, friends, I mean, all those things were easier when it was a quarter of the way there instead of all the way there. And then it was a little more challenging when it was vegetarian. And then it was a little more challenging when it was vegan. And But, you know that practice i feel like that i don't know when people ask me those questions now like how do you deal with these situations how do you how did how did you do that i'm almost like we didn't have situations like it just wasn't hard we ne- i didn't have fights or or you know lots of awkward moments uh it just i just felt like we eased in so slowly that it that it it never was we just learned how to do each step mm-hmm. and so that's that's my big reason for liking the small steps method um but like you said i i've and for a while, I, I argued for that. I said, if you want to change, not just with, with the veganism, but any big change, like exercise restraint and, and give yourself something to be really excited about because in two weeks from now, you're going to be able to go a little further with your change. Um, I, I still think there are times when that is appropriate, but you know I've seen that fail as well at different times and, and just trying it myself. So I've, I've just, I guess, with maturity or experience, kind of realized that, you know, here I am arguing for small steps because to me that's the part of my story that actually succeeded. But like I said earlier, the go for it because that's what I feel like doing. That that was part of my story. It it felt like the part that didn't work. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, those two strategies worked together pretty well, which is pretty much what you're saying. That if right. if you are ready to go for it, if that's what you want to do, uh, then you should. Yeah. And and if this if yeah, this is something that your doctor's telling you you really should do, but it's not an immediate urgency and you're really not looking forward to it, then it's probably not right for you to try all in all at once because you're going to hate it. So right. give yourself a plan that will get you there over the course of six months. And I think that's one that's way more likely to last. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. So that's, I think that pretty well covers like what we think about transitioning, right? Mm-hmm. But there are still a lot of kind of questions that I think a lot of people have as they're transitioning or, um, or if they're, they're considering it and you know, the, the one about the anxiety around dinner parties and restaurants and stuff like that, you know, I think is a pretty big one and, and we can say it's not a big deal, right? We can say that there's, you know, you can always find something or, or you just ask and you know, people make exceptions, but, but like if you're not used to asking and if you're not, um, if you're not good at like deciphering menus and that kind of thing, right? it can, it can be a little difficult. And I will say that there are there are definitely times, even now, even now that restaurants are better and, and I'm better at, you know, figuring out what to eat and that kind of thing. P- 
piecing together a meal. There are still times, especially at weddings and things like that, that, that I can basically guarantee that I'm either not going to have anything or I'm going to have just a little bit of something. Mm-hmm. And do you, so I have some strategies on how to like release some of that anxiety around that. Do you have any, any tips? What, what do you do in those types of situations? Well, what I said was that most of the situations don't have anxiety in them anymore. I, I don't, it's not that they don't happen. It's that, it's that mm-hmm. I, they don't cause anxiety or even awkwardness for me anymore. Yeah. Um, right. And I think a lot of that has to do with expectations being different. Like it used to be that going to a wedding, I don't know, I just feel like you get used to it. And, and maybe the small steps helps with that. But even if you didn't, if you can manage to stay vegan for, you know, four or five years doing those kinds of things, whether you entered it with small steps or not, uh, I think you get used to it. You get used to the idea, like you just said, of accepting that you're not, you know, you're not going to a wedding for the food anymore. Not mm-hmm. that anyone always goes to weddings <laughs> for food, but you're, I don't know. For me, that's just not part of it, right? Like, right. I go expecting that I'm going to have a few beers and do a minimal amount of dancing uh, <laughs> and have a good time talking to people and then eventually get bored and really want to go home because that's, that's what I do at weddings. Not yours. Yours was different. Yours... The dance, the night was danced you, you, away. You closed it down. You closed the yeah. dance floor down. Um, and Ellery too, actually. But that wedding had had uh, was a vegetarian food that you served there and a vegan option for me, probably. No, it was uh, so it was family style. So all the food was ah, right. on the plate, and um, it was probably half vegetarian and half vegan. So there okay. were there were there should have been multiple options for you. Gotcha. Yes, but um, the whole thing was vegetarian. But anyway, my point is, with time comes the changing of expectations and you know we we eat ahead of time it's just if if you don't if you're not expecting to get a good satisfying dinner and then suddenly you don't uh you know that's that's a lot different than right what happens when the first time you go to a wedding as a vegan and you just for some reason don't think about it or you think it's going to be easier than it actually is um and then you're you know starving and it's just not that fun because you can't think about anything else mm-hmm. but like once i don't know like I, you just don't look i don't look at a wedding as like a time to go eat dinner now it's just sort of something like Yes, we might eat some rolls, we might eat some salad, we might find something, but it's also very likely that we won't. So mm-hmm. let's have some food ahead of time and not be there for the food. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and then I think, and the same thing happens at certain barbecues if, if like, you know, lots of times I just bring, I just bring what I want, you know, if I'm, yeah. if I'm going over to a barbecue, even if it's not a potluck or something like that, I'll just, I'll bring veggie burgers or I'll bring a side that I know I can eat a lot of. Um, and everyone always appreciates that. And then like, it takes the pressure off of whoever's hosting you. Um, and you get to eat something, but you know, but like at a wedding or something where it's not necessarily appropriate to bring your own meal. Um, yeah, you just, I just eat ahead of time. I always bring, you know, a bar or some nuts and seeds or something to snack on because chances are like by the time you, you know, the end of the night comes and if you've been having some beers, you're gonna be hungry again. Um, have a few things like that. And then, you know, like there's certain, still a few times, most of the time it's not because especially now it's all like family weddings and 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 everyone everyone in my life knows that I'm vegan, of course, pretty much. Um, so it's like not a big deal. But there st- there were for a while there were times where I felt awkward being at the table and like everyone was getting their meal, and I was either getting a, a meal that wouldn't be touched because the waiter would just deliver it, or um, or like I would just be sitting there with nothing in front of me, and I, I would find that awkward, and that would cause me some anxiety. So I would just like go hang out at the bar, or I would go you know talk to somebody, or you know, there's always the parent with the kid who was like 
running around in the field and you just go like <laughs> hang out with them or whatever. You know, it's just, you just kind of remove yourself from those situations that if it's causing anxiety or you just embrace it, you know, and don't be afraid of it. And don't like, if you're not making a big deal out of it, if you're not complaining about how there's no vegan food, then, then no one's going to care. Yep. I agree with you there. Um, it's worth, it's worth, you, you mentioned the idea of bringing your own thing. We didn't really, I, mean, I didn't mention that as a specific thing you should do, but that is, that's a, a one of the most practical tips we can give. Like if, if that isn't obvious to you, um, I don't know, me being someone who was afraid of insulting people, I always, that's something I just did all the time at parties and things like that. Like I didn't want to be the one who, who had to reject the dinner they were offering me. Um, and I guess in some way you're still doing that if you, if you're bringing your own thing, but I just, I, I don't know. I just like that strategy a lot. It always, it worked for me many times, bringing your own thing. Um, and there are a lot of things when you can do that and it's not even noticed that the thing you're bringing is vegan, right? You can, you could bring a vegan dish to a potluck kind of thing and pretty much only eat your vegan dish and it's fine. So I think that is a really important one. Um, yeah, I mean, the removing yourself, I think, I think more often I think I, embraced it and for me it was like because it was this big thing i was doing a website about it um and it was just this huge change in my life that everyone knew about and i think for me that helped me avoid weird things like it was often a topic of conversation uh and people were interested but i don't know i just wouldn't somehow wouldn't be in a situation where it was going to go badly it just i just wouldn't have put myself in that for the beginning with i don't think um mm -hmm. but if that sort of thing does, we've, we've done episodes on this before. Sure. Being able to laugh it off, you know, is, a, I think, so important. Um, if you're someone who's in this for the attention it will bring to the movement and the idea that, yes, people can live without eating animal products, then, you know, I guess maybe, I guess maybe that sort of laugh it off approach isn't for you. Because I, I do think there are people who enter this from a position of I want to make change and I'm going to be I'm going to be this so that there are lots of opportunities to tell people about this and remind mm -hmm. them that, that look at me I can do this and so could you if you really wanted to um I don't know I, those people aren't going to like the just laugh off the jokes approach I think they will they will want to pick a fight at that moment yeah. or, or an argument or a debate sure yeah and and that's fine because that's what those people are looking for in doing this People like you and me who who really don't want to get into that kind of stuff. Um, I think the I think sort of diffusing it by being willing to poke fun at yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it just it just again one of those things where like I wouldn't say I'm. Well, I don't know. I, I guess I guess that maybe there's times when I'm I wish I would have stood up a little bit more for it. Um, but then I think about it more and I think yeah I don't know if if that had been the only option I would have never gotten into this. So. I would have said, no, that's too much. I'm not going to be that person. Like, I, I don't know. I just need to be able to to uh, do it for me and not care whether other people see what I'm doing and decide they have to do this too. Yeah. I don't know. That, I mean, there's a big philosophical gap there, I think. Right. Uh, and, and probably part of the reason people think that uh, we're a shill for the meat industry. <laughs> not people, a person. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean that that's hard. Like that that goes back to motivations and just kind of what you're comfortable with. And and you know, I, I like to think that, and and this may be just me justifying it, but I like to think that by by taking the approach that I have and 
being an example of what you can do on a vegan diet and how you can live and be happy and not worry about things like that, that has impacted people more than if I had, you know, rubbed it in their face or something and made a big deal out of it. Um, so I think, I I think that I'm making better change my approach. I think (laughs) Uh, that's when I said, I'm not sure if I feel like sometimes I wish I would have done something differently or not. I think that like, that's what I was not, not getting at. What I was thinking out of my head and wasn't really phrasing properly was you can be an example of not just the, it's possible to eat this way, but you can be an example of it's also possible to, you know, be someone who isn't the militant vegan. Mm-hmm. And and that was a sensitive thing for me because I just, I was so worried about becoming that. Uh, maybe there's lots of in-betweens where we are versus militant vegan. There's a, lot, there's, it's a spectrum, right? You can you can be as, as in your face about this thing as you want. Uh, it's not it's not probably you have to do it or you don't. Um, I think we are both maybe fairly extreme examples of people who choose the side of in your face as little as possible. If people choose, if they get interested in my example, then fine, there's plenty of stuff for them to read about and learn from. Um, but I, I'm I'm just not here to sort of try to convince people of this. Right. And, and I'd and like if to be it, an example of that you don't have to do that. Right. But if they ask questions, you know, sure. have answers, you know, like talk to them about it and, and be as open and upfront about, you know, your views as, as you want to. Um, but that, to me, that's different than... Um, you know, then when people are kind of like making fun of you or not making fun of you, but you know, like making a big deal out of it, trying to rile you up kind of thing. Right. Which happens, um, which totally happens. And you should expect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if that means you need to have a plan for how you're going to be, but I think you should expect that because people will, there are people who will be curious about it. There are people who, who will not like it at all. Um, I've never really met people who like tried to really fight about it. But you definitely find people who who like to make jokes to see if it will get you fired up. Right. Totally. So I don't know if we're ready to go here yet, Doug. I was going to ask: Do you think the do you think when you do this, is there a responsibility to try to change people? Because mm. so we, this, I've I've always been kind of you know comfortable, in some ways proud of this approach of like feeling like I am not here to try to change people. Like I'm here to do my thing. I think one of the best ways to change people is to be an example. And that way you don't need to really try to change people. You can sort of just, you know, put your story out there if, you, if you're willing to even do that. Um, and, and you can create change in that way. Uh, that Marco Borges, who was on our podcast a few episodes ago, maybe, I don't know, five, six, maybe more, uh, author of The Green Print. I mentioned this to him because we had a lot of philosophical similarities in our approach to this, but I said one difference was that he seemed to be more willing to try to like convince his family, like really try to get his family and friends to go vegan. And I said, I, I had never been comfortable with that. Um, my mom and dad have gone, you know, plant-based, I'll say. some Sometimes they're, well, anyway, <laughs> one of them is very much so, the other one a little bit less, but um, anyway, I feel like I've had great success with them as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but it took a long time and it wasn't immediate, but I always wonder if had I been more in their face, had it had, maybe that would have not happened at all. And maybe they wouldn't, would have been turned off by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he said something like, you know, I think you're doing a disservice by not to this movement by, by not being more, uh, we were talking about, we were using the word being a salesman for it, but I think that's not even what he was saying I should be. He was saying just, you know, with, be someone who's trying to create change rather than just someone who's doing it for yourself and being okay with just being an example. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so anyway, that's why I was going to ask that. Like, I mean, do you think, does it come with the responsibility to try to change people or do the actions that will most help create new vegetarians and vegans? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But even well, that's hard because even if you say that, yes, it does, you still got to argue over with what's the best method for creating new vegetarians and vegans. Right. And I think both of us would stand by ours as one that would appeal to the type of person who is not interested in becoming an activist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's good to, to be an example of someone who yeah, that you can they can see that you don't have to be an activist, quote unquote. Uh, although people would probably call us that anyway. Yeah, I mean we have a freaking podcast right, about it, right? And you know, and have dedicated our work to it. Um, <laughs> you know, and and like, well, so he, here's the thing. Here, I think I think there is some um, responsibility, and here's where I think it lies, where I feel it, and where I try to nurture it. And that is um, when I learn, when I have a friend or a family family member or if I just, you know, someone reaches out on Twitter or um, a coaching client you know, or something like that, that, that wants to do this, I feel a responsibility to um, encourage it and support them through it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so I, I, in particular, I'm thinking of, of one friend in particular who um, uh, around new year's this year said that they wanted to go plant-based or wanted to go plant-based at home cool. and and yeah i'm like awesome that's great this is not someone i would have expected to do that you know i have no idea if i was influential of that or not but um you know maybe i'm sure i didn't hurt mm-hmm. um but when i heard that you know i started feeling a little bit of responsibility to kind of check in with them encourage them provide them with some resources if they asked for it you know cookbooks or, or whatever, you know, make just some recommendations, kind of encourage them to, to keep it up because just to, to be a support network, because everybody needs that. Right. And here I am someone who has been successful with it. And even though they may, may or may not be asking for it, like directly, then, you know, I feel like, you know, in a casual way, I want to be that for them. That's where I feel the responsibility. But so I hear you. Do you even consider that responsibility though? Cause I like if, when that situation happens for me, like I get excited because it's like, wow, hey, here's somebody who's who's in, like who's who I you know wants information, <laughs> right? And and of course I like I want to spread the diet even if my mission isn't get people who don't currently want to do it to want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course I I want more people to not eat animals. Right? If if, uh, if ethical things are my motivation, then when other people do it, that that helps my agenda, right? Uh, so. Yeah, like if someone is interested in it, like I'm happy to give them stuff. I just have never considered that the responsibility. Well, right. Okay. I mean, all right. That that's fair. I guess. I guess what I mean, like, is even if you're excited about it, you know, even if it doesn't feel like a, a responsibility. I, mean, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't. I I see what you're saying, and maybe, maybe you're right. I guess. I guess what I'm just saying is like. If if someone is interested, even if someone is asking questions, but you know maybe not ready to commit to something or something like that, like I want to be, I want to be as open about the process and encouraging about the process as possible, and um, you know, so to help to, in hopes that they'll be successful. Okay. Does so that what make if sense? Someone, so what if someone doesn't necessarily want to do it, but you think it could really help them? And mm-hmm. this is this is a little different from. This is different. This, this is, is different question. from the ethical thing as well, right? Because this could be a whole episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and maybe it should be. But if you think like it is one thing to say, I I'm not going to eat animals because I don't think it is right, and I don't think anybody should. 
So I'm going to go try to spread that message. That's one thing. And that, that to me is where I start to get uncomfortable because I don't like pushing ethics on other people. I just think mm-hmm. it's such a personal thing that, that I don't know. I just, I just don't like to get into it. But if it's, what if it's not that anymore, but now it's some, you have something that will help them personally mm-hmm. and maybe very quickly and maybe urgently, right. um, you know, then, then do you, do you do it and how do you do it? Cause that, I'm, it's still like, that's what, this is one where I have failed. I think where I, I definitely have friends and people who could benefit from this, um, I don't know about to save their life, but it may, maybe that's not even too, too, you know, um, far-fetched. Yeah. Too big of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that is a great question and something that I would probably say that I have failed at as well. And I can think of three very specific examples, uh-huh. um, where someone has gotten very sick or is, is sick. And, and I think that, um, this could help them a lot, you know? Right. And and I, in one of those examples, um, when my dad had a heart attack, you know, I, of course, the first thing I thought was like, this is the time to make major changes. The doctor's mm-hmm. going to tell you to make changes. You're going to be motivated to make changes. This could help you a lot. Um, and, you know, and then, and then how do you, how aggressive do you get with that kind of thing? And how, you know, like the doctor's telling him one thing, you know, and, and, I don't know. You know, it's just like, it's hard. how yeah. do you approach that type of thing? Right. And that's, it, it's not quite, if if this was not a vegan thing, right, where, where there is that ethical tie with it, and if it was just you have some new miracle South Beach diet or whatever that's going to, and that's not a good example, but a diet that's going to help people who, you know, that there's research and evidence-based stuff saying this is going to help people who are sick in whatever way. But it has nothing to do with an ethical decision. It's way easier then to say, hey, I found this awesome diet. It's working great for me. You should try it. Um, There's still the, like, trying to convince someone to pursue a quote-unquote alternative approach, which is strange that now changing diet is considered an alternative approach. Uh, But once it comes into, like, they might think I'm trying to push my ethics on them when I Mm -hmm. tell them to do this, that gets into a harder situation for me. And I haven't figured out how to navigate that. Because there are people I'd like to suggest that they change, and I haven't yet. Because and I and I say to myself, well, I have this website. If you know, it's all out there, and right, I've right. clearly shown that I believe in this and that and that I have lots of tools here. If they wanted, they could go read that. But yeah, I don't know. It's just that's hard. Well, so what I'll tell you what I did with my dad, which I think was not very successful. But um, I tried to come up. I tried to find books and resources that. Um, were about heart disease and mm-hmm. and that they would would speak to him in that moment and I just gave them to him and never you know aside from a, a couple of questions never really followed up so I mean I think that like that like my my idea was to I don't know find something that wasn't me trying to push my understanding of of how health works you know but like yeah. here's here are people professionals who are um you know who can talk about exactly what you're going through Right. And then how it will help. And here are some resources and you can do with them as you please. Yeah. Well, in my experience, that, that is a good approach. Given, because people don't lead, tend to like to listen to family members. It's just They just don't. They just think their family members surely don't actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> so I think giving people books that you believe have a reason why that will resonate with them um, if, you, if you think they'll read a book. Or otherwise pointing them to things that you think will resonate. Like for my dad, it was listening to the Dr. Furman interview and I knew he was so 
evidence-driven, uh, that that would be the right person for him to hear. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that's the right approach. Now, the question of should you do more to follow up, and if that didn't work, should you try something else? It, then that's that's a opinion and mm-hmm. harder to answer. But anyway, yes, good discussion uh, with with no good answer, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's hard to know what's right. <laughs> yeah, but. definitely. Right? That was anyway. kind of that was a little bit off topic, but you know, but maybe something that a lot of people are thinking about as they as they transition. I, th- I think so because I, as I've said before, like for me, one of the big hurdles to doing this from the very earliest days when I wanted to become vegetarian, but just it was just not in my world to do that. It was just no one I knew did that. One of the big things was this feeling that if I did that, I was going to become one of those people who was always trying to change people. And mm-hmm. people viewed as the one who was always trying to change people. And that kept me from it for a while. So I do think there are probably a lot of people who want to make a change, but somewhere in the back of their mind have that concern that it comes with it, this responsibility to to spread the message. Uh, so anyway, that's yeah. that's our take on it. Yeah. All right. So, so I have one more kind of uh, frequently asked question that, that I think, or reservation that people have um, okay. that I think we should address. I don't know what else you got, but... Um. I have nothing. What I do got is to pick up my daughter from school in a few minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, then we will. We'll make this one quick. Okay. Um, unless you got to go right now. No, I can do about two more minutes. Okay. Um, so uh, just real quickly, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they want to do it. They, they're excited to do it. They just don't actually know what to eat. And this goes back to the question of, like, how, what do you replace the meat on your plate with? Mm-hmm. Um, so what's your, like, what's your, like, 90-second advice on... Um, on what to actually eat or like how to, how to get comfortable cooking a, a vegetarian or vegan food. Uh, hard, Doug. So I was so excited about doing this. And if you were that type of person who is just so excited that now you're made this change, uh, whether that's an all the way change or a almost all the way change, I just could not get enough of going to the farmer's market, finding vegetables that were in season and basing meals around them. Uh, with very different from my old approach of planning a meal, going to the store, get the ingredients for it. Now I was getting the ingredients first and then making food based on it. Uh, also, once I went vegetarian, I now had, you know, the restaurants that I typically went to were no longer good for me. They might have a few options, but they weren't what I wanted. So I started having reason to like go to the Thai restaurant, go to the Indian restaurant, which I had been to before, but had never really seriously considered making that stuff at home. Uh, and so like for me, because there was that kind of passion associated with it, it was just easy to just get a ton of cookbooks, cook all these different foods, experiment in the kitchen, you know, and that that worked really well for me. Uh, if that's if none of that is interesting to you, then I think I think the simplest po- finding the simplest possible meals and and convincing yourself, and it takes some time probably, but knowing that kind of simplifying everything is good and fine, and that the healthier or the simpler your food, probably the healthier it is. Uh, which also can eventually come to address those things like the wedding problem because like mm. if you if you you could you could throw six bananas in the car and eat them with a handful of nuts mm-hmm. and like get by as your dinner and not feel like oh my gosh I ate a horribly unhealthy dinner tonight because I didn't have a square meal right that that really helps because people I think when they have the sense that they're not eating well even if they are uh, I just think it makes people not not last very long so I, I do think that uh, finding simple meals is is a good idea. I don't know. Beans and rices are good. Lentils and rice. Uh, I say these because they have that substantial component with them, with the beans. Right. Um, the vegan meat things, you know, it's all right. I don't think it's the worst thing to transition 
with, but uh, not something you want to do forever. Mm -hmm. How about you? Really quick. Yeah, I mean, very similar. Uh, I think that transitioning with the vegan meats was a good thing for me for a while. Um, You know, just simple stir fries, just throwing some beans into anything, you know, salad and pasta, you know, things that you don't think beans, where beans belong, you could find a bean that works just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and then find some good resources, cookbooks, our recipe, you know, the Nomad Athlete cookbook. Um, and then, you know, get some, get your staples and, and then kind of go from there. Yeah. The last thing I have to say is that I do think in the early days, like you and I are very comfortable winging it now as you just said, and as I just said, with the bananas and nuts, and you said with just throwing beans into whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it takes a while to develop that. I mean, maybe, maybe some people do, but I just think, I think a lot of this, things are way easier if you can, in the beginning, actually cook recipes. And mm. spend some time, like, not expecting to just be able to throw together vegetarian dinner, because I think, or vegan dinner, uh, because I just think, I worry that people will do that and their food won't be any good. And they'll think, this is not good. I don't like this. And it's not going to last. Whereas if you can take the time to actually make some interesting things, and there are so many recipes out there now. You don't need, need to buy cookbooks. They're all over the internet. Uh, I just think you can you can have, you can you can kind of teach yourself that there's really good food to be had on a vegan diet. Uh, whereas if, if all you did was go start throwing things together yourself, you might think, wow, that vegan food sucks. There's nothing good about that. So... I think it's worth investing some time in, in cooking in the early days, especially. Yeah, definitely. All right, good. Well, got to end it rather abruptly because I do need to go. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. be thinking of those riddles on your way to pick up I, your daughter. and I'll be uh, doing that. And on behalf of the whole Nomad Athlete community, I hope you wish her a happy, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. And if you have if you have transition questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us, and um, we'll try to point you in, in a good towards a good resource. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye.